Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Flow Graphing Studio for another episode of A Fistful of Collars. So myself, Howell Teague, Reed Connell, Chase Smith, over there in the background is Will Safford. But today we have the honor and the pleasure of a very special guest, none other than 2018 Black Belt IBJJF Featherweight World Champion himself, Shane Jamil Hill-Taylor. Jamil, pleasure to have you here, man. Thanks for having me down. Yeah, man, thanks for coming in. First time in Texas, first time in Austin, first time in the Flow Grappling Studio. How have things been so far? Uh, great. It's, I love it here in Austin. Texas is, is cool. The weather is better than in uh, Maryland right now. It's nice <laughs> yeah, and warm. That's very true. And the Flow Sports Building is crazy. It's super huge. There's a lot of stuff going on. We've been, we've, we've been hanging out a lot, like, you know, the last day or so, and uh, a lot of talking about jujitsu. So I hope that this next hour and a half or so isn't going to be too tough. We can talk yeah. some more about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I can talk <laughs> jujitsu all day. It's kind of all we do here, so, yeah, it's perfect. It's what we do. We talk about jujitsu, right? So We've already had some, some fun, though. We got in here yesterday. We've already um, done some techniques. We've already d done a little bit of training and uh, done some other things. Got some shoes. Yep. Um, Great trip so far. Had some, <laughs> had some good food already. Maybe we'll go get some barbecue after this. So. Oh, yeah. Now we're in Texas. Got to get the barbecue, yeah, right? Definitely. I've yeah. been hearing from uh, one of my teammates, Matt Fox, trained at Pinnacle. He's been telling me that the barbecue and, and the DMV is not up to par. <laughs> so I got to see what the Texas barbecue is all about. It's gonna Are you going to do a, uh, a food review like your teammate Malachi? <laughs> <laughs> we may do it. We may try to put a, a, a collaboration in. Yeah. <laughs> Some Texas awesome. reviews in. Well, uh, just to, we, we got a lot of stuff that we can talk about today because, man, it's been a big year for you, right? So obviously the, the, the main thing that people will know you for, as we said in the intro, is the fact that this year you conquered gold medal at the 2018 IPJJF World Championships. That's a, that's a pretty big deal, right? <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Did you ever think you'd, you'd get there when you started Jiu-Jitsu? I mean, was that always the goal? The second I knew it existed and I knew what it was, it was always a goal. I always believed that I would get there. Everyone on the team believed that I would get there and anyone that wants to get there will get there. So um, getting it isn't really like a shocker for me. It's what I wanted, it's what I've been trained to do. But to think that I got it and think back is still crazy to me. Like. Did, did, um, it, did it sink in? Because it's like, no. really? I, I don't want it to sink in. I, really? I don't know. Even it's now, weird. like more than six months later? Like. Yeah, like every, every, honestly, every now and again, I wake up and I think about it, and I just be like, ah, I got it. I can't think about it. I got to <laughs> keep going. It's, it's too crazy for me to think about, like, everything leading up to it, you know? Like how hard I've been training, the years that I came up short, the last year I came up short, and, like, just the whole journey as a whole. It's crazy thinking, like, I got it what I was trying to get, so now I gotta get more. Well, something interesting that you mentioned to me uh, uh, yesterday was that you've actually, you won worlds at every belt level, right? A blue, purple, brown, black, Yeah, I have it at every belt level. I did the two years at adult blue, I didn't win. Well, that's the interesting thing, is that this, uh, the journey wasn't seamless, right? It wasn't smooth no, running all the way. There was some bumps along the way, right? Yeah, my first two years at juvenile, well, back then they didn't, it wasn't the, the way it is now with juvenile one and two. It was it was just juvenile, and if you were under lightweight, I believe you couldn't even do the open back then. So when I was a juvenile, I was 14 first year. I got second place. Second year, I got third place, and then I won in 2012. That was my third year of juvenile. So then next after that, the two years at adult blue that I did, I lost. I think second or third round, then I lost in the quarters. And the second year, I won pans. I was favored to win my division at worlds. End up losing by like two points in the quarters, and that kind of devastated me, but it also motivated me a lot. So I ended up getting promoted to purple, and then I came back and won purple, then the next year brown, 
first year black bronze, then this year I got gold. We did some filming earlier. Where, uh, you were That's did right. some training with Chase, and we shot some techniques and stuff. And uh, we we spoke about mindset uh, quite a lot, right? We talk about you know the, the mental side of the game, um, about how at that level, you know, the differences aren't necessarily technical. They're they're more like uh, small strategic differences, but a lot of it is mindset. And one thing that you mentioned to me, there's a particular quote that jumped out at me. Was you said that you get the biggest boost after a loss. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Like, if I lose a match, especially when it's... It's different when there's a loss because, oh, you think it was controversial and you thought you got robbed. But when you lose and you clearly lost, you lost the match. You blew it, you know? So that, for me, like, gives me the biggest motivation to get back in the gym because everyone on the team I know is going to be working to help me. We're working to help everyone that lost, that messed up, that had to fix their mistakes. We're all working towards it and we all have... We work more as one, you know? We don't work, oh, we're getting this person a, a gold medal or getting that person a medal. The whole team is going as a whole to all get gold medals. So when one of us loses, we all kind of take it and learn from the mistakes of that. So right after, like, a loss, like, when I lost in the finals of Pans, between Pans and Worlds, I got, like, I felt like I got the biggest boost in motivation, confidence, and just being, like, super mentally strong and ready to go at the world at full steam. Let's break that one down because that, that was a great match, you versus Johnny Grippo. Yep. Um, you know, Johnny is having a great year as well, uh, you guys in the finals of Pans. So, so what happened there, and, and I guess wh what did you change from Pans to Worlds? Um, the match went pretty standard for how our, our matches. That was, I think that was like the fifth time we fought each other. We fought each other a, a bunch lot. of times, right? And I was up the entire match on advantages at first, and I was up on points the entire match until... I want to say the last 45 seconds, I, I got a sweep, came up, didn't come up properly, went for an ankle lock I shouldn't have went for, and he ended up scrambling, going underneath, getting out toward my back, and I stayed on my knees, and that was where my mental and strategical error was. I stayed on my knees when I was supposed to stand up to avoid the points, and I forgot that I was supposed to stand up. So I stayed there, and I, I lose it too, and then I stand up, and he's on my back, and then now I'm fighting out of a choke, and then... That loss there when it was so close for me and it came down to such a small error that ended up being like the would determine the match and that really like like killed me. Like I was devastated after that. Like you don't really see it from me like on the mats at all. But you that was probably, a big title that you probably that you never wanted, right? like will see it like that. But of course I wanna win of course world championship is the goal. But at Black Bell, I wanna win everything. Right. I don't wanna I don't think it's like okay to lose New York and then it's okay if I win Worlds. I want to win every single thing. If I, Whatever I'm doing at the moment or next is always the most important thing. So if Pan Ams is right here and that's what I'm doing, that's the most important tournament. If it's New York coming up, New York is the most important tournament. So that's kind of how I think of it. So losing Pans was just the same as I would have felt if I lost Worlds. Mm. It was the, the biggest loss, the biggest thing going on for me right there competition-wise. That was the most important thing. I blew it. I lost. Got my back taken at the end. I was devastated, but when I went back to the gym, we went super hard. Like the very next day we got back to the gym, in the morning, in the class, I'm there ready to work on the mistakes. We're watching the matches. We're watching all of our matches where everyone had their mistakes, and we're fixing the stuff immediately so that it's in my head so I know what I need to do next time. And it kind of gives you that mental boost. Like when you lose and you feel more helpless sometimes, like you don't know what you did. You're more just distracted at you lost and you're letting that beat you down versus fixing it. We do a good job at our team where we address the issues right away. We'll pull up the video, you know, we'll watch the video right there and be like, right there, you messed up. 
we need to fix this positioning right here, and we do it. And that kind of gives me motivation, you know? Like, I know I'm in the right team. I'm, I know I'm, everyone on the team is serious about everyone winning. They're going to focus on that. They're analyzing the match. They tell me what I did wrong. We're going to imitate it, fix the issue, and that really, like, helps you have more confidence in your teammates and stuff so that you know you're going to be ready the next time. And a, and a similar situation came up not too long after, right? And yeah, actually... I ended up literally, we worked on that position every day for, like, a, a pretty decent amount of time. We were still doing our regular drilling sure. and our training, but for me, I'm working on this position at any chance I get, any time it's free drilling. We're working on the issues that we had at the last tournament, which is the Pans, big tournament. So I end up, it was DC Open. I'm in the finals, and I'm fighting uh, Isaac Dordalin, super tough competitor, and the match comes, it ends up the same way I ended up losing against Gianni. We end up in the exact same scenario. I swept, I came up, I could have, there was a choice to go for the ankle lock and try to hold it till the match was over or to come up strong. And I'm sitting there and my coaches are yelling and we worked on this position to where I hear them saying, this is that same position. We're not having this happen again. We already know what to do. So when it's already implanted and I've already drilled it and it already beat me down after pans, the mistakes that were made in the match, I knew what I needed to do. So I get up and I end up winning the match. And it was kind of like the opposite scenario. You know, like if pans was the, the negative outcome for me in that scenario, what was the bad thing that could have happened to me? Worst case, losing the match right there. The match at DC was kind of the reverse, and it was changed because of like drilling it and how serious I was about fixing that situation, that, that strategical and like mental error in the match. So I ended up winning that match. When that pans, I just like a month or two before that, I lost in that same position, so I really felt that like, gave me a more confidence boost. Like, I know I, I'm fixing my issues. I'm getting better and better in just a short amount of time just from taking that loss and instead of being beat down about it, like, getting down and drilling what I need to drill and listening to my coaches and working on what I need to work on so it doesn't happen again. So That's that really, really cool. helped, and I got to see it right away. You mentioned that uh, you faced Johnny, like, five times in the, in the past, and it's not just him. Coming out through all the color belts, you face the same guys all the time. Are you at a point in your career where you really just work on your own mistakes, like little things that you're drilling or, or um, game planning? Always. Honestly, I never, I've never like, went to a class and said we're fighting like we're going to fight this person and we're going to build a whole game for this person. I've never done that. Now, let's say you have a guy and he's known for throwing people in their head. Of course, I'm going to work what to do if he tries to do that on me, but I'm not going to sit there and go, we get the class and, and Master Donnie and Master Lloyd saying, hey, we're going to work this whole match. When they do this, you're going to do this, this, and we just drill that because you may not even get to fight that person if you fight the guy that game is completely different and he beats you because you weren't working on any of your jiu-jitsu. So I, at our gym, we work on what we need to work on to better our jiu-jitsu as a whole, you know. We work on everything that our coaches have us work on. And Macedoni has me working on Brimblos, and they have the whole team working on Brimblos or back takes or whatever. We're working on that. We're working on expanding our whole game as a whole. And if we make a mistake at a tournament, then we can focus in and zone in on everyone's mistakes. But it's never uh, game planning for a specific opponent for an entire match. Maybe a position or two if they're dangerous from there. You can't just go in like acting like it's not going to affect you. You have to respect everyone's positions. If you're known for this, I have to be ready for that. But I'm not going to make my entire game plan and like have a whole match in my head designed for you. That, yeah, it's kind of like like it's too right? many tough yeah. guys. Yeah. At Black Belt, everyone's tough. So you can't make a game plan for every Black Belt that's going to be in your division. You don't know who you're going to get matched up with. 
Do you focus more brackets. on your, yourself as it's opposed only, to them? Right? It's the only thing you can focus on and yeah. it work out every time. It's what you can control. Sorry, it's what you can control as well, right? You yeah, can't definitely. necessarily control what the other guys yeah, do. Because if I'm game planning for you based on a match I saw you do three months ago, it's not like you just like been frozen in time for three yeah, months. Yeah. You're working on stuff too. So if I'm working on beating the three-month-old version of you, but you've changed and you've improved on this because you're training, and now you come in and you do one thing different, I'm going to be thrown off. So there's no way I can focus on like studying an individual opponent just to beat them in game plan. I'm working on myself. I want to be the most dominant I can be, so I'm going to work on dominating every part of my game. I was just going to say that Chase and I got to go out to, for Road to Worlds. We, went, we came out to, uh, to Maryland and, and saw you guys training out there. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely it was a fun experience. I know we definitely had a lot of fun out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was certainly a unique um, training environment, too. You know, everybody has a certain little spin on, on things that they do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, such a crazy room that you guys have there with, with Muhammad, Tim, uh, Array, you know, the brown belt killers that you have and stuff. Like, what's it like to, to be training there every day, especially for as long as you have? Yeah, no matter what class you're in, no matter who you're training with, it's going to be a tough round. Where you're going with a purple belt, brown, black, it's almost as if when you're at Team Little Irvin training, you might as well just take everyone's belt and hide it so that you don't know because... It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not going to, you're not going to be able to feel the difference like that. You could be going with a purple belt, like we have uh, three purple belts now, Elijah Dorsey just got uh, promoted to purple. He double-goaded at Juvenile this year, blue. We have Juvenile World Champion, Nogi Pan Champ, Rico, Sean Rico State, and he's a purple. And then we have May, Pan Am Champion. I believe he got bronze at this year at World's That's Purple. May Alves. Yep, yeah. May Alves. All three of those purple belts, you roll with them, they don't feel like purple belts. Hmm. They feel like they could easily go into a tournament and hang in there and beat black belts and beat brown belts. And you, so like you train with them, an out of town guy may come in and be like, oh, these are purple belts. And you go train with them. They're not, you can't treat them like purple belts. Nope. <laughs> so when I roll with them and I roll with any belt, I never do that. I'm rolling with you full steam because everyone on our team is tough. So an, it is a tough room. I mean, you just, the, the names that you just ran through right there. I mean, there's obviously Muhammad as well, is a, yeah, uh, like, a, a Gi World Champion. DJ uh, Black Belt, no Gi World Champion. So there's, there's, there's a ton of different um, styles and different body types and stuff. And I found it really interesting because uh, you train with everybody. Yeah. Really? We train, you we train Muhammad? with everyone. Like, Muhammad, Muhammad, and then yeah. you? Like, <laughs> when everyone's healthy, we're Latin? training with everyone. If, when I'm, if I'm healthy and I don't have no injuries or anything, I'm rolling with whoever I'm told to roll with, wow. you know? If I'm rolling with Array, I'm rolling with Array full steam. Array's going at it, trying to kill me. I'm trying to go out and kill Array. We're not holding anything back. If we're bigger, the person that's smaller is not holding anything back or they're not like grappling any type of way. We're all trying to go hard. So if I'm going with like one of the little kids and rolling around or if I'm going with Muhammad, it's, it's the same. And we, we do a good job not like hurting each other too, but we still go hard. What's a normal day look like? Are you training twice a day, three times a day? Mm-hmm. Does the training change? Are you drilling in the morning, rolling at night? Or is it always, always in flux? Um, that all depends on what I'm doing. When I'm in school, like right now my school schedule, the only time I can train in the morning is Monday, Wednesday, Friday because I get out of class as, uh, off campus at 11. I can zip down as long as I don't have any other obligations at school I need to do. Like if I talk to an advisor or whatever, that may change it. But sure. a good day, I get out at 11, I can zip down, class starts at 11.30 and then I can do morning class. And then because I'm in school, I can't stay super late because I still have to do my homework. So then I train that's when we start picking up the kids for after school, teach the kids, teach the kids night class. Do you go pick them up? I, I'm like a backup. 
<laughs> backup driver. So like, right now, if I was at the gym, I'd be picking up because uh, Sadiq Yusuf would be picking up. UFC fighter. So he's fighting in the UFC this weekend. So before <laughs> I came down, I'm picking up the kids for his route. Wow. So I'm kind of like, if someone's out of town or they're doing something, I go to do their route. But we all we pick up the kids, we do the classes. Teach the kids on a normal Monday, Wednesday. I may go home right after done. I'm done teaching, or I may drill for a little bit, get a little bit of drilling in, and then go home. But I have homework and stuff, so I have to get home at a decent time. If it sounds like you got a busy schedule, man. <laughs> yeah, like, you're doing a lot. You got constant. school. You're, you're helping out, working in the gym. You're teaching kids classes, and you're training. That's a lot. Yeah, it's constant. So, do you ever just bring your your gold medal into class when you like don't have your homework or something? You just bring your gold medal into class. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that if I no. would. <laughs> Honestly, don't know where my medal is right now. It's at home Seriously? Yeah. yeah, I don't. It's not hung up. I think it's. Wow. I think it's on the. I think it's on the dining room table, so I think it's still in the middle of the house. Somewhere, yeah. under, under some homework yeah. and books. But it's there somewhere. But Well, you know, this is really interesting because um, it kind of goes to show, right, that life doesn't end when you win the gold medal at the World Championships. And it also, it doesn't immediately change for you, right? It doesn't like, it's not like once you win that gold medal at Worlds that everything suddenly falls in your lap and, you know, things start going right and stuff because, you know, after winning Worlds, you're back to school. You're back working at the gym. You know, you're, you're just back training and stuff, right? And yeah. okay, I, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, but you had some car trouble when you were coming. You were coming yeah, out to the, going to the airport yesterday. <laughs> you had some car trouble. Do you yeah. want to tell us about that? I missed my the first flight. I'm on the way, and my like, it was windy, and I did not pay attention to the weather advisory because it said it was going to be heavy winds. And I drive a 1995 Subaru Legacy. So it's not, it's not the newest or sturdiest car, but they gives me. <laughs> they call it the uh, the Green Hornet, or what? I think that's what they call it. At <laughs> Wait, that, that car is the same age as you. Yeah, it's the same age. So <laughs> wow, it, it it doesn't do that great. It gets me car. to and from. Yeah. It probably doesn't help that I have like 15 geese in the trunk and a bunch <laughs> of like boxes and stuff in the trunk. But so I'm driving, and the wind is pretty much like throwing my car oh, man. around That's and I'm scary. trying to get to the airport and it feels like I don't have control over the wheel like it just like throws my car I'm still here but the car is flying this way and there's oh, other cars man. coming and I'm just like oh my goodness so I ended up <laughs> I couldn't keep going I had to stop and I had to have an Uber to the airport oh man That's and I ended rough. up missing the first flight I got there I'm running in <laughs> I'm running in the lady's like nah it's too late so I had to get rescheduled I had to sit in the airport I think like the next fight was in a couple hours, so it wasn't too bad. But well, we got you here in the end. Uh, yeah, you know, it was. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. Had a similar story. That was I, <laughs> getting that, out of that. Honestly, that oh, was the, Washington DC. The first time I think I ever not that ever one. missed a flight. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever ever missed a flight before. But that was like. Well, it goes to show what I'm trying to say is that you know you you got that gold medal at the Worlds earlier this year, and um, but life goes on, right? It goes, you know, you straight back to the normal routine: school, gym, work driving the 95 Subaru. So it's not like everything changes after that gold medal. But um, even though even though you know, you're still hustling, you're still doing your thing, things have kind of started picking up for you, right? Oh uh, yeah, like, definitely. Tell me a little bit about the things that have kind of, uh, that have developed since winning that gold medal. Like what have you been doing since then? Um, a lot more opportunities, I would say. And before I was getting uh, some good opportunities, but I couldn't always take them do the school and certain things but afterwards I got a lot of opportunities for seminars a lot of opportunities to teach stuff like that so I got I was able to take those opportunities I was already uh, competing with spider and doing stuff with spider but 
so that one didn't really change. I was already doing that, but that was just another opportunity as well from my first year at Black Belt. So that was continuing on. I got a lot more seminars and things like that. A lot of stuff I couldn't even do because of the schedule. So that one was a little hard. Like I had to turn down certain seminars out of the country. I couldn't do certain things because I'm in school and I was working with the summer camp. But I did get a lot more opportunities and situations where people were asking for videos and people asking when instructionals and kind of give me stuff to look forward to doing when I get the chance to do so. Like I still want to be able to do it in like a, a video series and stuff, a move series like that. And people well, are asking for that. The techniques that we shot earlier, by the way, I have to say, they were uh, they were pretty interesting. So, uh, and if that's a taste of what people can expect, then uh, they'll do great, right? Cause I'm gonna uh, be working on some of that stuff for the next like three months. Yeah, there's so many details in there. So. Incredible details, actually. <laughs> did you get what did you get from that experience, Jake? Man, uh, my lasso guard's trash, so that was super helpful for <laughs> me. What was, it, what was it like training with? With Jamil, you got to. Anytime you get the role with with a world champion, it's it's just sort of every detail is something you should pay attention to. And uh, he wasn't using strength, but he felt so strong. Like everything, every position so solid and repped out and, and precise. And that's always just amazing to feel. One thing I'm curious about, though, is after you, you won worlds, that, was it almost a bit of like a, a letdown? How you stay motivated? You've won worlds, like the pinnacle of your career, thing you've been chasing since a blue belt juvenile. Then you go back to the gym. I mean, like, what? how do you um, get back on track to going again? Okay, so my goal was always a Black Bar World Champion, but if you asked me two or three years ago, what are my goals, it was never, I, you never heard me say, I want to win Worlds at Black Belt. I would always say, I want to be one of the best, if not the best featherweight or whatever weight I'm in, Black Belt ever. Really? You know, that was always what I would say. Like, I, it was never, it was, uh, of course I want to win a Black Bar World Championship. That was like the main goal, but it was never just one. I never wanted to win one and just disappear off the face of the earth, you know, and just be run off in the sunset with just the one. I always <laughs> wanted more. I want, I think, Hoffa or Cabrinha has the most of five or six. I want seven. I want eight. I want, you know what I mean? Sure. I want as many as, every year I compete, I want to win the world championship. I also want to win ADCC championship. I want to win everything I'm doing so that I go down as the greatest featherweight of all time. So that's my goal, and I want to be able to help everyone on the team in any way I can reach those goals as well. So it's, my goals are never just centered around myself. Like I want to help. We have all our black belts in the gym that want to win world titles. We have our brown belts, we have our purple belts, all the way to the kids that want to grow up and win world titles. I want to be able to help them. So I don't feel like my mission or goal is complete or accomplished until everyone reaches what they want to reach. So, so I'm just, just a part of the whole now. thing. Yeah, definitely. Sounds That's like you've got is. a lot more ahead. But how old are you right now? 22. You're only 22. So it sounds like you've got plenty of time. I mean, uh, you know, those are some pretty big goals, right? Because when you look at the guys who, who you would class as the best featherweights of all time, like Hafa Mendes, like Cabrinha, uh, I mean, the, the list of accomplishments that they, that they got over the years, uh, that, that means that, you know, you're going to be at it for a while, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure. I wonder when... No, Hafa was pretty young, probably. Early when, 20s, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... But ADCC, you just mentioned it right there. I was going to ask you about that later. So that's also, that's something on your radar. Definitely. Wow. I want to be able to do ADCC next year. I really want to compete for ADCC and try to win an ADCC title. The only thing that's been stopping me with that is just the school schedule. I don't have, I have a limited budget, a limited schedule, time, and everything. So, like, my main focus, Pans and Worlds, has really been the only big tournaments I've been doing ever. I haven't done Europeans. I haven't done Brazilian nationals. The only time I've left the country is to compete for Spider in Korea. So school 
limited budget, limited time has all been kind of keeping me from doing all the things I want to do. But I graduate soon. I, w I really want to be able to compete for uh, ADCC and try to win an ADCC title. I think that I can win an ADCC title. So that's on the radar, definitely. Nice. You gotta well, do. You gotta do Europeans, man. Europeans. Yeah. Is, you gotta go out there. It's so much fun. It's I'm crazy. Brazilian nationals, I'm man. True, I want to see you in all of them. It's not. <laughs> it's not out the cards yet for next year, but it's it's, it's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have school. I'll be in school. How do you split your training between gi and no gi? Because I feel like I, I see much more of you um, in the gi. Mm -hmm. I don't pick whether I'm doing gi or no gi. If, if Master Donnie, Master Lloyd says we're doing no gi on whatever day, whatever class I'm in, then that's what we're doing. But you do train nogi as well. Yeah, I do, yeah, we do nogi. We've been doing a lot of nogi the past one or a couple months now. We've been doing a lot of nogi in the morning classes. So if I make it to the morning class, then if they're doing nogi, I have my nogi stuff. But it still always ends up being more gi because I do more of the classes with the gi. Mm -hmm. all, almost all of the classes with Master Donnie are gi. So Which do you enjoy more? What do you mean? Gi Which or nogi? Which you enjoy more, yeah. Gi. Really? 100%. There's certain things in nogi I can I have a I have a like a different liking to like I like to I, I enjoy the wrestling and the scrambles of nogi. Oh yeah. But the grips in gi really change it for me. I, I, like certain grips, I just love being able to have like those control grips and being able to grab the hips and being able to. I feel like you could figure out more creative things in the gi. Some more stuff to grab. You could use a different grip here. You could there's so many grips that you can find and use. In the gi, so I, I enjoy gi more. And you, you know, you train at uh, obviously Team Lloyd Irvin. You've got a, a pretty big squad of not just jujitsu um, grapplers, but you've got quite a lot of MMA fighters as well. And yeah. you train with some of those. But MMA is that at all something that you've ever thought about? Uh, I've thought about it. And I don't plan on doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've thought, about, I've thought about not doing it. I, I really <laughs> enjoy watching <laughs> MMA. I've gotten really into the UFC. Not even just the big fights. I watch. Anytime it's on TV, I can enjoy it. I, I know a, awesome. I, I know a lot of the fighters' names. I'm familiar with a lot of the fighters from the title holders to the lower guys, so I pay a, a lot of attention to it. And you got some good guys out of that yeah, gym we as have well, a right? Lot you got of, James Vick, you got Sadiq Yusuf, right? We have good a lot guys. of good guys. We got yeah, there's some Sarge. beast MMA guys. Mm. There's a lot of beasts coming out of Team Order for MMA. So with they're fighting locally, I always try to make it to the fights if I can and watch the fights. They're fighting on like Sadiq's fighting on the UFC. His UFC debut is this Saturday. I think that's in Australia, and I'll be watching that. So I'm into the MMA. I'm more of a fan, though, mm -hmm. and I'll help any of the MMA guys that are doing their training jiu-jitsu. I'm rolling, doing a nogi, doing whatever I can do to help when I'm asked to help, but I don't plan on fighting any anytime soon. Not I even mean, anytime soon, like ever. <laughs> <laughs> soon or far down the line. No, I'm, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. Well, you got that jiu-jitsu goal as well. And if you want to become like the, one of the greatest featherweights of all time and get all those records and stuff, it's going to be tough to, to take that, you know, that diversion and go off to MMA, right? Because yeah, that would take away from that. Definitely. So. I've, I really have no personal goals for MMA. Yeah. Like, not even like deep down or like a maybe in the future thing. I have no, I, I'm a, I admire it. I'm a fan. I help my teammates that need, that ask for help or that I'm training with that are doing the jiu-jitsu. But for me to fight MMA, I'm good. I uh, I, I got to ask you about something um, because uh, you you mentioned to me um, yesterday we were, we were chatting and stuff. This is an incredible, incredible statistic. Is that uh, you've only been tapped out twice in the competition career since blue belt, right? Once a blue, once a purple. Is that right? An adult. Gee, right. I've been I've been hill hooked a couple times as a blue, 
as a blue belt. What was it like, like a Naga or a grappler's quest? Yeah, I've been doing like the we've been doing the Nagas and stuff. Since that's the first tournament I ever did was Naga. That's the Wild West. Naga and Grappler's yeah. Quest. Yeah, <laughs> when you have blue belts heel hooking each other. No yeah, kidding. I've been no, doing like the Nogi, like the Nogi Advance. I think like late 14, 15, I've been in a they're fighting adults, fighting like I fought my first black belt. I think I was fifteen. Wow. In the finals of a Naga, so I've been like doing the leg lock stuff for a while. I hated it at first. I didn't really get a, a liking to it as far as doing it myself until like the last year or two. Really? Before that, I, I would learn how to defend it, but I just hated the leg locks. So what's your thought on the current kind of leg lock uh, mm. thing going on in jiu-jitsu? Because it was a bit of a revolution, right? When, when Danaher came along and, and you know, his team of guys like Gordon and, and Eddie and, and Gary Tonon, they were going out there and they put you know, leg locks back on the map, right? Yeah. Obviously something that always existed mm. in jiu-jitsu, but then all of a sudden became a fashion and now everybody's doing it. So, you know, when you look at the jiu-jitsu landscape and you see people developing this intricate system of leg attacks and stuff, what do you think? Um, I like leg locks, so I admire it. I, I, when now, they put the videos, yeah. I watch. Yeah, yeah I, I, could, I could watch the Nogi matches and see people getting healed, and I study what they did, what the other person did wrong, things like that. So I enjoy it for that. Um, as far as, like, the craze of, like, if people are going around thinking that they, that's the only thing they need in jiu-jitsu, they're wrong. You still have to learn all jiu-jitsu. All those guys, the Gary Tonin, Gordon, um, Eddie, all those guys, they still know a lot of regular jiu-jitsu. They've got complete they have their, right? They're yeah. good. Yeah. If you take heel hooks out and it's still a nogi match and they're still fighting and with their training in, which is nogi, even if they're training in gi, they're still good. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to go out there, you take heel hooks out, and next thing you know they're getting beat up. That's, that's not how But it there works, are a lot of know? guys out there who see leg locks as kind of like the... The, the this kind of the one stop shop right it's like the, this is this is all I need and they go out there and they 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 just like the leg lock guys but then they get the guard pass or whatever and they're dead right yeah it's so like, that's kind of like the downside of that you don't want that to start happening but they don't preach that leg locks are the only thing you need you know Gordon doesn't preach that you just need leg locks well not those guys but there are some guys out there who who that's the kind of yeah, all the, that they've managed I don't to get agree from with it, that. Right? yeah I don't agree with that like learn the leg locks if you're doing nogi yeah learn the leg locks work on it learn how to defend it how to apply them but also learn the other jujitsu too you know you have to learn everything it's not like if you're in gi you can't only learn how to do like a bow and arrow choke or only learn how to worm do guard. like worm guard <laughs> yeah. you know you have to know jujitsu as a whole to be able to to fight at the elite level. You can't just do one thing. And nobody that's at the elite level that's succeeding is only doing one thing. Well, there was the moment in your match, your, your last match uh, on, on Spider, the, the super fight that you had, no mm-hmm. key, and uh, heel hooks were allowed in that match, right? Yep. And uh, your opponent, whose name I, I can't pronounce properly, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. Korean guy, uh, he was known as like a pretty good leg locker, right? And there yeah. was a moment that he had, he kind of like, Got a, bit, a little bit of a leg entanglement, and it looked like he might be attacking for a, an inside heel hook. And, man, you were just out of there, like, straight away. So it seems that it's something that you're pretty familiar with, at least, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially we've been doing the nogi for, like, recently we've been doing a lot of the nogi drilling, the leg lock drillings, and entanglements, and getting out of stuff like that. So I was comfortable. Of course, I never want to let anyone get my leg, but I'm confident in my defense. If I, someone does jump back for a leg like how he did... It wasn't really a, a setup. He just like dove back and went for it. I was fine. I've been working like that defense. I do a lot. I do it in gi too. Like that's like a, a like a natural instinct defense that I've been doing because I've drilled that a lot. So 
It was fun. One thing uh, after we had finished training and doing techniques this morning that stood out to me was you mentioned that you need to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone and train a bunch of different uh, just attacks in general because if you're, let's say, a blue belt in a certain area, even though you're in a black belt division, people are going to find that and expose it. Um, I want to hear mo a little bit more about that. Like, Why is it important for me to have a well-rounded training regimen and, and, and do things that I'm bad at because... Yeah, I, I want to be an elite competitor. You never want to be at black belt and sit around and say, I'm bad at this. Because that means you haven't been focusing. You're not a black belt all around, you know? Yet to be a black belt, that means you, you're you on the process of mastering jujitsu. you know? You're almost there. You're at the highest level of jujitsu, especially in competition. So if I'm in the black belt division, but I've never practiced my knee cut, but I can do every other pass of my knee cut is trash and I need to do a knee cut, not only am I not going to do it, I could lose the match right there from that. And anybody that goes back to watch that video is going to be like, this person can't knee cut. Let's force them to knee cut. Let's play reverse Delahiva, force them to have to do a knee cut. They can't. And then now you're getting beat by people that you probably normally wouldn't get beat by just because you kind of got exposed, you know? It's like you don't want to be in boxing and get exposed as having you drop your hand all the time on one side. You should be well-rounded in what you're doing. So when, if you're at a, a gym and you're practicing, you should be practicing everything. That's what I was saying, like, never practice just leg locks. You have to practice everything, you know? Don't leave any moves, like, don't force yourself to not do any moves. Or don't leave th certain things alone just because you don't like it or you don't plan on using it. You have to learn everything. You have to learn 50-50. You have to learn how to deal with worm. You have to learn how to play double guard. You have to learn how to deal with these situations because if you ignore it and someone ends up exposing that you haven't been working on it, it can mess you up. We so, all have our specialty areas, right? The things that we yeah, like everyone. in jiu-jitsu, there are things that we prefer over, over other areas, but um, you know, obviously we have to work the areas we don't like, but what about you personally? Is there something about jiu-jitsu, like a specific area or position, you're like, I'm really not about that. All right, guys, um, take the, notes. The world is <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no position where I feel uncomfortable, or I feel like I can't work, but there are positions where I'd rather not be there. Yeah. And those being like the, anytime I'm, I'm locked down, you know, I don't like being 50-50 because I'm the type of person I like to have, like, I want to be moving around a lot. I don't think I anybody like do likes to be stuck at 50-50, man. <laughs> <So> <laughs> You're not alone there. <laughs> I don't hate or, like, not work the position. I actually enjoy how hard it is to get out of that position because it makes you have to focus and you have to really drill position to get out of it and get out of it safely without getting swept or leg locked or anything like that. So I respect the position. It's not like I, I'm going to get to a tournament and get there and just be like, oh, my goodness. But... If I had to choose a match, like a, a the perfect match, not even just like the perfect match to win, but a perfect match, like exciting match, I don't think it would ever have 50-50 in it. And certain like... Uh, I think actually there are probably hundreds of thousands of fans who completely agree with you about <laughs> that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so like there's no position where I say I hate it and I don't think no one should ever do it, but... Yeah. Um, well, what For about me the flip side then? What about the flip side? I'm sorry, but what about the flip side? Is like, uh, you know, we know that you've got a sick lasso guard, right? And everybody's mm -hmm. seen you playing that kind of like that really technical guard game and stuff. But is there a part of jujitsu that people maybe don't realize that actually you you love? Is there something about a, a position or an attacking system? I lasso was not my first guard. I like I came in doing reverse delahiva and a lot of delahiva when I first started playing guard and before. I didn't really play guard as like my A game until my first year at Worlds. Wow, you were of a top guy, passer? Not so much into the passing. I just like throwing people and taking people down. Like when I first started training, that's all I wanted to do was 
hip toss people and Taitoshi people, and I wanted to throw people or get big takedowns ah. and Kimura them. That was pretty much <laughs> what I wanted to do. <laughs> nice. So, like, if you find any matches with me, like, as a kid, I'm going for fireman's carries. I'm going for big throws, drop set, naggy, stuff like that, and that's, like, what I enjoyed doing. Not so much, like, shooting in, but I like throwing people and doing stuff like that. So that was, like, my favorite thing to do in jiu-jitsu for a long time. And then my first year at Worlds, I remember I was fighting, and I think Mastodani told me to I should pull guard on this match. And I didn't, like, have anything against pulling guard. I pulled guard before, but it was just, like, it was never my instant go-to. So I go to pull guard, and I end up winning the match against the person that won Pan Ams that year at Juvenile. I end up beating them from playing close guard and sweeping from guard and playing, like, De La Hiva and stuff. So I was, like, in that moment, like, I was young and I was dumb. I was just, like, I'm a guard guy now. <laughs> I won this match in guard. Switched. I'm at Worlds. I'm a guard guy now. So Screw I, take the down. rest of the world, I played guard. Like, I just, no matter what, like, my coach would be on the side and he'd be, like, all right, grip this guy down, do this. And I'm in my head, like, I'm shaking my head and in my head. I'm, like, he must not have seen my guard just now. <laughs> I'm going to be pulling Did guard. He see my guard was? I was like, he may be mad at me at first, but when it all works out and I win from guard, he'll be fine. <laughs> and then I get to the finals like that, and I ended up, he's, he, like, specifically pulled me to the side. He's like, Rastanani said, grip. Go for your grips. Get the sleeve grip. Snap it down. Go for your takedowns. If not, then you could pull from there. Like, but okay, he was like, I think he'll pull first. <laughs> so then you'll work your passing. It'll be good. And in my head, like, I was doing the thing. I was like, you must not have seen. I'm, this is clearly a guard moment for me right now, Master. I don't think you've seen me, this guard that I've just, been you doing. You just wait. You just wait. I was like, you'll, when I get the world title, you'll see it'll be the guard. We'll, we'll be okay at the end. So in my, like, I'm shaking my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm a grip. And, but in my head, I, I'm, I'm young. I'm like 15. No, I was 14. Yeah, I was like 14 or 15. May have been like a young 15. I was, in my, I was just like, I'm going to go do it. I just did three matches in a row. I hear my coach. But it's not processing to me why he's telling me. I didn't understand, like, the strategy of it. I'm just going out there. So I go, I get my grips. I try to jump guard, and I, like, you know, like, the pulling mount. Like, you miss your guard <laughs> jump, and they just fly over the top, and I'm armbarred, like, no 10 way. seconds. The match is over. I'm just getting up, and I'm just, like, and I look to the side. <laughs> and my, like, I was young, so I was already, like, that was when you could, like, now you can't even do worlds at that age anymore. So as young, I was, in, I was going out there for experience. I wasn't really on the world's training program yet. You know, I wasn't really that, like, super hard into the training or understanding how big worlds was. I was out there as, like, an experience kind of tournament. Of course, everyone felt like I could win if I do what I'm supposed to do and I'm sharp, but it was more of an experience tournament. So I get up, and it's not like my coach is, like, yelling at me. He just, like, he's just, like, we said grip. And I come to the side, he's like, you said grip. And I was like, I know. <laughs> and I'm just, like, sitting there with my arms hurting and all the kids celebrating the screen. I was like, oh. So I just a valuable that. lesson then, probably. To Gotta play. listen to your coaches. <laughs> At Black Belt, do you still have uh, that importance of listening to your coaches, or is it a little bit less? Is it more, like, keeping time? and Definitely. No, not, I don't, uh, Master Donnie, Master Lloyd, whoever would be coaching me, usually Master Donnie, I, I don't really hear, the, like, the this much time left. It's not really about the time, because the way we train, it's not 10 minutes to survive and win by points. It's 10 minutes to submit. You know, and you're, going, you're getting points because you're trying to submit the person. You need to get to the dominant positions to submit. So it's more so keeping me sharp now. And if I'm really, like, in a situation where I need to be talked specifically or maybe losing a little bit of focus, which happens, you know, you get in a big scramble, you get aggressive, you want to stand up and shoot and stand up and do stuff, the master will keep me sharp. He'll tell me, like, 
stay smart, get your grips. Remember with the scorers, you're up, you need to be playing, start, they're going to be trying to do this or watch the edge, certain things like that. Like play the middle, like if I'm on the edge of the match and I'm going aggressive for a sweep, match the nine, match the like, hey, don't sweep towards the outside, wait till the ref brings you in the middle or sweep towards the middle, stuff like that. So Anybody who's, who's been to a tournament and has, uh, you know, will have seen the interaction between the team and the TLI athlete who's right in the match right there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a really powerful thing because, you know, you always go down as a group to kind of like support the guys. Yeah, 100%. Like you say, the coaches are right there on the sideline. There's a lot of communication between you. And I can often see like yourself or the athletes, you'll often be looking up, you'll be acknowledging kind of the commands mm-hmm. or the uh, advice yeah, that you're getting. Cause... But what I'm interested to know, sorry, is, is uh-huh. that, you know, um, Who's the kind of the guy that, you know, takes you to one side, maybe between matches and, and gives you the kind of the, the, the sort of the pep talk or the guidance, you know, or who's the guy in the gym who takes you to one side? Is, is there a specific person who has that role or is it? A- as far as like teammates or as one of the coaches. the coaches? I get most of my technical and strategic stuff from Macedoni. At the tournaments, that's Macedoni. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the head of the kids program. That's what I came up under. So I'm used to his style of coaching the most. I'm most comfortable with his style of coaching. Masaloy is still a super great technical coach. I ask Masaloy anything technically. But as far as knowing like me super, super personally and the stuff like that, like from a kid, Mastodani knows me like super close. Like, You've been training with him since how old? I started at the gym around like eight or nine. You've been training with him since you were like And that was the first instructor I knew like when we were young, we used to be scared of Masaloid because we're like, we're wearing a team like Irving Geese and we wouldn't see Masaloid as much because we were in a kids program and he was working with adults working stuff. We would see him walk by and I'd be like, that's Masaloid. And we'd be like, hey, go say hi. And they'd be like, uh. <laughs> but then once you, like, once we actually get to talk to Masaloid, Masaloid said something, we understand Masaloid's cool as a mug and like, he's Masaloid's cool. It's kind of like the principal in school, right? It's like, yeah, it's like that. his way. Like, but yeah. then once you realize like the principal is not like a jerk, he's like, Masaloid's not a jerk. He's not like, just walking around, just scaring people. He just he just intimidated us because he was tall, and we was like, "Oh, this is Lloyd Irvin summer camp, and yeah. that's Lloyd Irvin." You know, <laughs> he's, he's the like, "Oh, sake. snap!" So, what about your relationship with Lloyd then? Because you know, you mentioned about how close you are with Donnie and uh, how you've been with him since you were a kid, and you have that uh, kind of an intimacy, right? But uh, what about the the coaching role that Lloyd has then? You know, you said that you go to him some technical. No, questions. yeah. If, if I'm in Masaloy's class and he's like Masaloy. Is like the greatest, like breaking down a technique to the smallest detail and fixing things that you may not even have known existed to fix in a move. You may have did your knee cut and your head is perfect, and he's fixing like this smallest inch here and telling you, explaining you why. And like, as far as breaking down stuff like that, I feel like Masaloy is the best in jujitsu. So if I'm in Masaloy's class and I work with Masaloy, he, I can get that from him and I can go to him at any time and ask his opinion on anything that I want to know. But as far as who I see on the regular, whose class I'm in, it's usually Mastodonic because I've come up in that class and it fits my schedule perfectly. And that's just where I'm super comfortable with my schedule and everything. But on a perfect day, if I'm not in school or anything, I'll, morning class is Mastodonic class, night class is the Mastodonic class because it's like a hybrid kind of kids class kind of thing. Because we came up as kids, but since we're so used to that schedule and we're in that schedule and that's where we're like most comfortable, all the kids that were kids that are adults now are still there. Hmm. And then if I'm, like, grinding, getting ready for Worlds, I'll do the Masterclass class after that. So for my school schedule, the only class that I do every time, no matter what, based on my school schedule is Masterclass night class because it's the perfect time for me to 
do that class, get home, have enough time to study, everything like that. And that's just, like, historically the class I came up most comfortable in. But a lot of, a lot of your teammates tell me that they, they go to you for, for technical instruction. Yeah. They have a nickname for you, too, right? What, what do they call you? Uh, Muhammad started the nickname Brucio, which is, I think it translates to wizard or witch or something. <laughs> <laughs> wizard or witch, huh? Yeah, so they, that's <laughs> Muhammad started. It's technical magic going on. Black magic. Yeah, yeah. black magic. Yeah. How come they call you that, then? Because um, they, they go to you for a lot for advice. I guess I have a lot of uh, ways to deal with situations that you wouldn't normally see or ways out of tricky spots. And I guess the more modern positions like escapement, like the worm or things like that, I'm always trying to come up with new ways to have those situations or new ways to push jujitsu and have new moves. Yeah, actually, like I remember that. when, when uh, Muhammad fought Keenan in the Pants Finals. You, yeah. you were in his corner. Yeah, that was Not actually pretty crazy at... Um, Master Lloyd asked me to coach Muhammad versus Keenan because Keenan wow. was with the lapels and they know I'm super familiar with the lapels and the escapes and stuff like that. So that is interesting. I was coaching Muhammad there. That was my first time coaching like with the vest on. And uh -huh. then at Worlds, I was coaching Tim against Keenan, and then I was coaching Muhammad in the semifinal against uh, Marijali because they have like the tricky guards and things like that. And mm -hmm. I also think. I think by that time, Master Lloyd and Master Lloyd's voices were gone. Uh, yeah. That's like, kind of like that. Quick quick yeah, that's kind of yeah. thing where like yeah. we go to every match, because if Master Lloyd's screaming and Master Lloyd's voice goes out, he's still yelling the stuff. The athlete can't hear, but we can all hear, so we're all yelling the same thing. <laughs> so it seems like when we go, we're all like coaching as a unit, but it's all coming from Master Lloyd, Master Lloyd, whoever's coaching, it's all the same thing. We're just yelling it and amplifying it. Man, and funny motivating. story. I remember, I think it was, uh, it was not this year, it was possibly the year before at PANS, yeah, right? 2017 yeah. PANS, that Andre Galvao mm. had a similar problem. He lost his voice. Like right pretty, off the yeah, bat, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty. And in the, the finals, and he had like, had a guy it. with him, and it was like a human megaphone because Andre's voice was like a whisper. Yeah, and he would kind of go, "Time to grab the right leg, grab the right leg." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how it is when, <laughs> when it's intense and your coach is going as hard as like Master Lloyd or like Andre Gavao coaches the guys. They're gonna lose their voice, Master. Yeah. I, there's no tournament at the end of it where anyone on the team has their voice at the end of it. But <laughs> even us after just the first few days, arena, talking to people is like rough. yeah, not yeah, even after screaming. the just, first just few days, we people. may not even get into the 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 black belt qualifier there, the brown belt days. Master Lloyd and Master Nani's voice may be gone. Wow, my voice may be gone because we're just sitting there, blue belts, juvenile. We're just screaming every time, so the whole team always comes down. We're always supporting. We never sit in the stands and watch and yell from the stands. We're always bunched in. Yeah. Security be telling us to move over. We always get up there. We make sure we have the, the maximum energy. And if one of our coaches' voice goes out, we're right there to hear what they're yelling, and we're, we're amplifying it up. So that's kind of how we are at every tournament. That's cool. A little bit about the technical stuff there. So, you know, you mentioned about how the teammates kind of go to you to help sort of, uh, you know, troubleshoot, like, some of those more mm -hmm. tricky positions. But where did you go? Like, who did you go to? How did you come up with the answers to those questions? I went to Macedonia. Right. And whatever Macedonia said, usually, it's a, we're a team leader in jiu-jitsu. Our jiu-jitsu is all, we all know the same jiu-jitsu, you know? So what Macedonia is telling me is what Master Lloyd would tell me. If I need, if I want to ask Master Lloyd just to hear if it may be a slight, he may have a variation or something a little different, so I have more than one option, I ask Master Lloyd or I ask the team. But we do a lot of stuff where we can ask each other. And we're always trying to come up with new stuff. And Macedonia and the kids, when I was coming up as a kids program, he really did a good job of giving us the opportunity to be creative. So, like, we're in class. We're all learning this right here. But if I have a question of something I, th I just thought of, I can ask. 
and he'll be like, oh, yeah, that's that's something you could do there, too. And then if it's good enough, it'll show the class, like, oh, Jamil just thought of this, or Malachi or whoever just thought of this variation that works as well from what we're working on. So from that, a lot of new, like, techniques come out and a lot of original techniques come out. And because of that, now we have, like, they'll come to me and ask for certain things because I've been, like, coming up with these weird positions and different ways of doing stuff that work just as good as the original way or things like that, kind of modifying stuff. Yeah, that technical development's interesting because, you know, if you only ever do what you're told, then it doesn't give you much room for creativity, for yeah. experimentation. It's always following the guidelines. Like, there's sure. certain rules in jiu-jitsu that they're rules, you know? Don't turn your back. Yeah, but when you learn the rules, then yeah. you can figure out how to you break can, them. You uh, can, it's not really them, breaking right? them. It's just, like, figuring out, like, yeah, don't put your turn your back, but in this certain situation, if your back gets turned, they can do this. Yeah. If it's, like, you get your grips, you need to have something here, but if you have... The lapel and you wrap it this way it could kind of compensate for certain things do you have like a do you have like a training partner or anybody in the gym who particularly you know you kind of bounce ideas off somebody you work with um the purple belt rico sean rico staten he's kind of the same way i was where he's constantly just coming up with different ways and we play we both like to play lasso but he's coming up with these different ways to do drags and different ways to do things from there and we like, we'll be texting each other, like, like rant. I made a wake-up at 3 in the morning with that idea, and I'll just text him, like, 50-50 uh, lapel this way instead of that way, roll this way instead of that, and he'll be like, huh? And I'll just, like, just remind me tomorrow <laughs> and bring up, and I'll be like, yeah, this is what I was talking about. I would have forgot if I didn't text him, you know? We'll do stuff like that, and, like, we're all coming up with different stuff. Angelo's coming up with these crazy ways of, he's been coming up with these crazy ways of beating certain guards and stuff. Malachi's been coming up with this crazy stuff from guard. Like, everyone's constantly innovating and trying to innovate their game in any way possible and a lot of like un, like stuff we haven't seen before comes out of it we bounce it off each other we'll go and we'll try to stop it try to see what's wrong with it see like oh if you do this I can still do what you were trying to stop me from doing so we got to modify it what if you do that and we kind of have some training sessions where we just ask these questions and we like show these moves to each other and break down and we see what Master Donnie thinks we see what Master Lloyd thinks what Muhammad thinks we just see what everyone thinks about it and try it out, and if it's something good, we'll, we'll all work on it from, like, different chokes, submissions, sweeps, just anything. Anyone that has a, a new way of doing something that's not the norm is full, open to ask around. But usually I harass Rico with new stuff, or I harass Malachi or Ray, and then we'll, we'll discuss it amongst each other because we don't want to go to uh, Macedonia and Master Lloyd with anything that's, like, it's not right yet, you know? <laughs> it's kind of like... You before gotta, you get you the paper, the like, workshop if, if you write bit. a paper, yeah. you gotta gotta make sure it's Proof right before you turn it, it in. So gotcha. we kind of help each other out. We go in like the back room, we kind of work it out, see what's tight, and if it's good enough, or if Macedonia's, oh, he usually sees us doing it anyway. And he'll come in, adjust, and work. So it's kind of like that. So like some techniques never make it to Macedonia because it was just we tried it, I thought of it, and then we're like, no, nah, that's not it. That's, <laughs> that's terrible. I don't know what I was thinking. About that. That's not going to work. So certain things like that, we all just. Anytime we have something, we bounce it off. They may come to me and ask what I think. If it's something that I normally do, they may come ask me if like it's from Lasso or something. If it's from Close Guard or something, I may go ask Malachi. If it's like something like from passing, I probably go ask Angelo. If it's something drag related, probably ask Rico. Like everyone has their things that I know that they they think about and work on as like their their number one things. So if I have something that's from that position, I'll ask them. Then if they like it and they modify it, then we go show Master Don and see what he thinks, show Master Lloyd, see what they think about it. That's kind of how the new move mm. thing goes. It's a fun time in jiu-jitsu, man. There's so much so much innovation, yeah. it seems like. It's, 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 it's fun, and then you end up with like this whole like group of moves that 
only you like the guys that have been doing it with you know someone else from another team may have done it but you're at a tournament and you pull this move out and it kind of gives you this edge because you've been working on this position that's kind of unorthodox or maybe not the normal reaction from there you can get you can get into some good situations from that. So just never ends as well, right? That's yeah. the thing. There's always something new coming around. Definitely. What always. are you working on right now? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm I'm actually kind of working on what we consider boring stuff. Boring stuff. Like pressure passing and that's not boring. Closing, I love pressure passing. Closing a lot of space and you know, like it doesn't look too cool. I to see a lot more lightweight guys pressure passing nowadays as well. You know. Um, Especially the guys from Unity, because you know yeah. they're training under Murillo Santana, who's got amazing yeah, pressure passing, stuff, right? Yeah. But it's interesting because a lot of those guys, they're like featherweight and down, lightweight or down. You know, yeah. you got like guys yeah. like Jonas uh, Talison, uh, you know, Italo, and then of course the Meow Brothers, and they're all pressure passing. Yeah, from and they're top, throwing right? people off because they're like, "Oh, these are guard guys," and like nobody's just a guard guy. They're the good team. They're working what they're doing, so they yeah. they see Paulo pressure passing, like, "Oh snap, Paulo just started." It's like if you're working on it, you got to constantly be looking to add to your game. So you don't fall behind. So you don't like you never want to be the same person you were the week before, or the day before. You know you always want to be getting like at our gym. Maslow always says you want to get at least one percent better, or else you're getting worse. If you're not, if you're staying still, you're getting worse because everyone else is moving forward. So you got to be constantly evolving. If that's adding in the pressure pass, and if that's adding in something you don't normally do, you gotta you could work to add it in. So I've lately been working on the pressure pass and still. Work, I've been getting some, some new crazy submissions from guard. I've been working some new leg positions. That's been pretty fun. And then adding in the, the no-gi stuff in, too, is always refreshing. So I've been enjoying that. You're on a team with a, a bunch of elite guys that you can bounce ideas off of. But anyone else that you're watching that's not on your team, either old-school guys or maybe you know rivals, uh, um, who stands out to you? I normally watch – I've probably watched every Jock Ray match ever and Tether Day match ever. And Marcelo match like ever. Saying there's a lot of guys. There's three good names. Like yeah. there's a lot of guys that I've probably do. seen every match they've ever done. Like now you're saying as Kavaka, well about how your old Raleo. style used to be to throw the guy down and then submit them. I mean yeah. that's that's Jacare right there. Yeah, right? I used to that's, like that's the like I, I still watch some of those matches. It's like they give you a lot of motivation. They're hype. They get you ready for stuff. So I watch that. But as far as like for learning, I don't really like look at a move and try to copy it or something like from a match I like watching matches to see people's reactions to scenarios like they're down like I want to see what Bruno Malvis is going to do when he's down an advantage with 30 seconds left I want to see how Cabrini is going to stay on top and he's up by two and he has to stay on top you know I want to see like what Hoffa's going to do when the person or situational yeah I want to I like seeing stuff like that like how people react that's why I like those matches that end up like down to the last second and then not decided until the bells like mm-hmm. the bell rings and it's over. I like watching those kind of matches. But like historically, like I said, I watch Jacare, Tedere, I watch Hamelo, I like his guard attacks a lot. Braulio, I like his guard attacks a lot. Kavaka, I watched Kavaka a lot when I was younger. I still watch him now. Bruno Frazada. I watch a lot of like Lepre right now I think I've been watching the most recently. Just because he's able to be super fast and super like tight, mm. and it seems like he always has a counter for when you think you got him. Like at Worlds, he was in that tight single leg, and he just he has that tight single leg. He gets reversed, he flips off his head. I, I was like, what in the world? So like <laughs> stuff like that, I always like to see things like that and try the to. The priest got to be one of the best all rounders in the game, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. He's man, he's scary from all positions. Like just like that, he has a, he has, he's in a tight single leg. He's by the finish. He gets reversed. Usually, at at best case, they scramble back to the feet. He flips off his forehead. It was like perfect balance, 
as if he's been doing that exact move a million times before that. And he just lands like like a feather and it's instantly pressure passing, stuff like that. Yeah. I admire from It's like Capoeira, Lepre. man. You know, he's a Capoeira guy, right? Yeah. So it's got to be something like that. But, uh, you know, we were talking about the Capoeira, the, uh, the acrobatics and stuff like that. Uh, one of your teammates, Muhammad Ali, has been posting a lot of stuff. Of doing yeah, Muhammad's crazy. I don't, like, <laughs> he just decides. Muhammad's crazy, man. He can, he's like an action figure or like a superhero. He just decides, okay, I want to learn how to flagpole and flip around. And he just comes in, and next thing you know, he's, like, just no fear, just kicking up backflip, landing on his back, flat gets up, does it again, lands it. It is crazy. And he's he a big that. dude, right? He's yeah. like 230 or something, Man, he's, right? He's crazy. But a lot of everyone on the team, I would say, except for me, flips to some extent. <laughs> you don't flip? Where no. are your flips, man? They're gone. <laughs> I can maybe pull out a, a nice front flip every now and again if I warm up and it's a good day and I feel good about it. But, like, Angelo, he's crazy. He does, like, the turns. More of a somersault guy, then. Yeah, I can, I can, I can, do the, I can roll all day. Yeah. <laughs> but Angelo, he does some crazy flips. Malachi can flip. Um, Rico can flip. Muhammad's flipping now. Uh, Derek can flip. They do all the crazy. Can kicks Lloyd and flip? Yeah. No. Oh, sure. For real. Master Lloyd. Um, I'm sure he can if, if he <laughs> oh, like, man. wanted to. All right. Next time. Yeah. 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 Let's I kick it to Young Lloyd. Maybe able to pull out. I know. We got. We got. Maybe able to pull out. If he if he does a good warm, I think he maybe able to pull out a front flip or two. Wow. I know his son Little Lloyd. Could flip a lot. He could front mm. flip, back flip. He was he was good. A lot of the kids are starting to pick it up. They can flip now. I'm I'm. When everyone starts to flipping up and down the mat, I just sit on the side and watch. We got to get some video of this. We got to get some video of the TLI guys. <laughs> I'm, when out I get back, I'll record it. Everyone can like flip. We used to do this thing at our, at the end of our summer camp finale. Like after the kids did their demonstration for the parents and everything, we have all the open space and all the parents are just sitting there. So all the kids and everyone that can flip go to the mat and just starts. Like flipping, everyone's cheering for him, and it gets it gets pretty crazy. They start doing some like crazy flips, but not me. I'm on the side. <laughs> we we like we said, we do have another member of the team over in the corner there. Yeah, Let's throw it. it over to Will. Still Will, here. the I'm man of the here. people. So Will, I believe that you've actually you got some uh, got some reader questions. What are the people saying? Viewer well, questions. I do. I do. Well. Actually, and uh, thank you guys for submitting your questions. But speaking about you know doing flips and kind of things off the mat, one of the number one questions we had was, what is your strength and conditioning program like, or is there anything that you do to cross-train for jiu-jitsu? Uh, not really. I do some strength and conditioning, stuff like that, on like once a week, Saturdays. That's it? That's it. No, you, you no, mentioned no it. Weight lifting, they're, they're, body weight, right? They're torturous enough to last for the whole week, to be honest. They're, they're pretty like intense workouts, and that's pretty much the only thing. I may do like some, some workouts, but they're more like drill kind of things, so they're not like making you super sober there, like drill exercises, like maybe like you jump guard, do some sit-ups, stuff like that. So let me get this straight. You're not out there like, you know, doing deadlifts or running sprints or whatever it might be? Mm, no. Nothing. If we're injured and we need to keep our, like our cardio up, we'll go get on the treadmill. We need to lose weight, I'll go get on the bike or something like that. But on a regular basis, I'm not like lifting. I don't lift any weights at all. So all of your like strength training and stuff like that comes from just jujitsu? Jujitsu wow. drills and then the, the Saturday... We do. We've done. I've done like a lot of like uh, exercises that's good for jujitsu and things like that. But it's usually only on Saturday. When I was younger, I used to do more throughout the week when I had more time to like I had more time on my schedule. But no, do you think if if I get given, sometimes we get given it. Like I may need to. I say I'm I'm feeling a little bit weak here, and I'll get a specific exercise routine to do on my own. But so so obviously you're. 
you're a uh, you're a technician, but do you think that there is a place for strength and conditioning or having, you know, increased um, strength? I think so. I think everyone should definitely like work out and work to get strong, but I don't think it makes or breaks anyone in jujitsu because jujitsu is a full body workout, and if you train a lot, you're doing a full body workout every day. You go home sore. That's because you were working out. You know, you were lifting whole bodies off the ground and. And trying to and staying in a squat for five minutes straight, trying to balance and pass the guard and holding down. And so like you end up doing these these exercises anyway. And those exercises are meant people doing a deadlift that's pushing someone off you. You know, so certain things like that. Uh, I don't feel like it's like 100% necessary, but I'm not going to tell no one not to do it. Everyone has their own routines and their own program. I'm not going to tell somebody to do something or to not do something unless they want like something very specific that I could recommend, but I only do a lot of exercises on that once a week, and it's been working out for me. What about uh, what about mental training? I know that Lloyd, you know, he's always got these, like, positive affirmations on the on the walls in the gym and stuff. Do you – one of the questions we had was, like, what is your mindset like before you go on the mat? You know, is there any type of special things that you do to get your mind right? No, I'm actually very relaxed before a match. I'm usually on the side joking with – Macedonia or whoever's on the side or messing with one of the kids right before I go in the mat. Like, I'm not one of the guys that sits up and is super tense and they're like, oh, don't touch him or don't. Now I'm, I'm, I think it was at Purple Belt Worlds, right before the finals, we were on the side, like, making a drum beat with, like, me, Malachi, Derek, and Tim Spriggs, like, waiting for the finals. We're just making a drum beat on the side. I'm very relaxed. I'm focused, but I'm not too tense. And I think that's just from confidence and, and knowing that, I'm ready for the match, you know. You win five matches, there's no reason to get nervous before the sixth match. You should be focused and ready to go, but I don't think you should let that mess you up. So for mental training, I don't like we do a lot of things for like mental training, but it started the second I walked into the doors of the academy. And that's not that's before I even knew what jiu-jitsu was. And coming in as a kid, learning discipline, respect, and focus, things like that are like instantly what you you get taught. Those are the most important things. Like the more the martial arts kind of things and they carry on. So being respectful, confident, and focused, disciplined, all these things, later on they end up like just amplifying. You just work on it naturally like to where now I'm just super confident. I'm always like mentally strong, I feel, before a match. And if I'm not, then we do things to work on it. Like we do like a lot of weird like mental things. Like we may just lay down one day for like five minutes and he's like, just lay on your back relax and just envision a match and he's like the match is going wrong it's going bad now what are you going to do and things like that just like focusing and thinking about jujitsu a lot gets you like mentally ready I feel and if some people aren't some people have things like anxiety and things like that but I didn't have that coming up and I feel like if you do have that you just have to really work and focus on it and focus on being relaxed and, and knowing what's important and knowing like how to stay focused in your own way for your matches but I feel like mental strength is definitely important. Last question from the uh, from the viewers: Is there anybody that you really want to face? Um, I don't know. I I don't really look. I don't really think about stuff like that. Like I really want to fight this person, or if I see someone's in my division and I sign up, I would look forward to that match. But I don't really like chase anybody. Maybe not necessarily for the person or who they are, but maybe the challenge that like, they present. Historically, not so much. In, I don't really care about, like, oh, I want to fight this person at the Worlds in the finals, but as far as, like, just have, being able to roll with everybody, I'd like to be able to roll with everyone that's at the elite level in, in my division. I want to, or even in Division Up, like, I'd love to be able to roll with, uh, 
like Hoffa Mendez or Guy Mendez or Bruno Malfasina, Kyle Terra. So you're not like, like, for example, you're not like chasing after that rematch with no. Cabrinha, try and settle that or? No, I'm not no? chasing after it. No, that's, that's, I can't focus on stuff like that, you know? If you focus on just trying to chase back a match that you lost in 2017 when you're fighting all these different people now, that's going to mess you up. That's like the same thing about game planning for certain people. If you're focused on yourself and you want to be the best, you can't focus on who you lost to last year. You know, you can't be sitting there like with a grudge almost. That kind of, that could throw off your focus. Oh, because some people could use it as motivation, right? Yeah, they, the the like, fact that they lost, they could use it as like, all right, I'm going to go to back this person. get to the top. But. Say like you lose to this person and you're holding it like a grudge. I want this match back. I, don't, I think you go into that match a little bit uh, like not as mentally focused. You Cut know, you're more worried about, mm. oh, I lost to this person. Oh, I'm going hard. I'm going to, like, you kind of take it more personally than it needs to be. Now, you could let it motivate you, but I don't feel like you should be, like, going out your way to hunt this person down or call the person out or I want my match back. Because that kind of, you're put, giving yourself the mental disadvantage there, you know? Uh, you know, I want to ask, actually, because it kind of goes into that. You're talking about, so you're detaching the emotion from it, right, when you're going in. But I the, guess I, when I see you compete, you look very calm, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you obviously look very focused, but you're very calm. But, you know, on the other, the flip side, there are some guys, like a perfect example, one of our favorites to watch before he gets on the mat is Marigali, right? Mm-hmm. And he, like, transforms into this yeah. alter ego, right? He becomes, like, this, this snarling, super hyper-focused, you know, just, like, this energy coming out of him. Leandro's a really good example because he's, like, joking around, eating a hot mm-hmm. dog with Bouchesha, and then five minutes later, <laughs> right? Five minutes later, he's, he's, he's kind of, you know, strutting up and down, and he's like, okay, now it's game time. He, sw- he flips that switch. But you just, you, you, you like, you think that's um, I actually... I think everyone has their, there's, a, there's definitely a, a flipping the switch for everyone. I just so feel how like do you flip time. the switch? Like, I flipped the switch before I'm even at Worlds, <laughs> like, honestly. Mm. Like, that switch was flipped for training. And then when I'm going to Worlds, the second I land there, I'm in that, I'm in Worlds mode. So I don't have to just be sitting there, like, staring. Some, everyone has their own thing. Some people need to hype up and jump up and down and walk down and get loose. I do my warm-up, but I'm already, I've been focused since I got here, you know? I'm focused when I'm yelling for my teammates, you know? That's why I kind of enjoy being at the tournament every day for Worlds and stuff. I'm there every day. Like, if we have a teammate fighting at 9 every day, I'm there 9 every day, yelling for them, coaching. If win, lose, or draw, I'm there watching them, learning from that. And I kind of just, I kind of just kind of absorb the team's energy in a way. Like, everyone that's fought before me, I've absorbed like the energy from that match. I was yelling on the side, and they may have made a mistake and lost them the match, and just the emotions, everything. I'm absorbing all of it. So when I go out there, I'm like super focused, but I'm also like ready for anything, you know. So I I, I warm up. I don't really do too much like hyping up. I'm already kind of hype. I already have the energy. But I will say this year, when I was in the bullpen, watching Muhammad, and when Muhammad won his finals, that like. The energy, it, it was like, I couldn't sit still. If anyone saw me, I was pacing back and forth in the bullpen, like, scratching my head. I couldn't sit still. I was, like, like I was just, like, going crazy in the bullpen. Like, I, like it was just, incre- like, an incredible feeling. So when I went out there and I'm sitting by my mat, I'm just, I was just, like, laser focused. I'm just, like, waiting. Like, I can't wait. I'm like, all right, Mikey, this match needs to hurry be over. <laughs> all right, Mikey won. I'm happy for Mikey. All right, I'm ready. It's my turn. All right, let's go. Like, I'm more like that. I'm like, all right, these matches need to hurry up because this, like, I need to get this energy out. And it was more, I put it all into the, the actual match. I don't have to do too much hyping before the match. I don't have to do too much, like, hyping with the coach. I talk to Master Donnie before the match. I talk to Master Lloyd. They tell me what they've always been telling me. 
Like, you're the best, go out there, do your thing, stay sharp, shake hands with all my teammates, and then I, I'm, I'm already ready to go. But yeah, like, as far as like flipping the switch, like you said, transforming, I think I kind of do that the second I land at Worlds. I'm, I could be going at first, if I was grappling that first day, I'm ready. And I kind of stay in that zone, so I'm, already, I'm joking, I'm laughing, but I'm focused the whole time on the goal. What about the celebration then? What about that, you know, that moment that you've got the world gold medal around your neck? And like, um, what do you celebrate with? How do you guys celebrate? We went to eat Brazilian barbecue. <laughs> we ended up going to a, a, a different uh, Brazilian barbecue place. It was good though. But oh, that's what you like? Yeah, we went to you like Brazilian the Brazilian steakhouse. barbecue? The Brazilian steakhouse is, is the way to go, always. <laughs> I was they used to chant Fogo in the Yeah, steakhouse. I was telling I had when you won yeah. the, the brown belt world. Yeah, you don't go to Fogo unless unless some gold medals were, were guys. <laughs> oh, so we get winners the, get to yeah, Fogo. Yeah, we, right. we can't go to Fogo if we don't have a... The, the performance that we expect to get from so ourselves. So everybody, everybody in the stands was like, yes, we're the, getting the real motivation. <laughs> <laughs> then when me and my husband got a black belt, that's just even better. That's like, yeah. we getting full. We got full. We, we stayed an extra day. We, no, we had Brazilian <laughs> steakhouse, and the second we landed back in D.C., we went to Fogo. Like, oh, man. That's nice. Fogo for the whole week. <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good week. You guys right deserved there, it. Hell yeah. Wow. I'm, not, I'm not that big of a on-the-mat celebration guy. I don't know. I just never been. It's a weird thing. At Worlds, though, in the finals, I don't know. It was different. It was different, but I couldn't. I didn't really celebrate. You know, Muhammad like tossed me the medal. I like patted yeah. it on the patch, held it to the team. But I'm not much of like a ah, run around like. Uh, yeah, you just throw up the hands and walk off, right? It looked yeah, like there was like not, a moment. It, it kind of looks like I don't care, but I, the emotion's still there. I just, I guess, I just show it a different way. Yeah. I more so feel it than show it. You know, I feel like my team's yelling on the side. I feel the emotion. They're doing all the yelling and celebrating. I'm not. I'm just kind of absorbing it. And then I go shake hands and hug the team up, but I don't really, like, I get more hype from my teammates. And you'll see me on the side, like, if I'm coaching against, when Malachi's fighting or Angelo fighting or somebody on the team's fighting, you'll see me way more animated then than you'll see on my own matches. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like I said, I kind of absorb the energy. And when I'm going out there, I don't really need to hype myself. I've already absorbed it, like, was it Malachi because was Because they're, they're going crazy for when you're fighting, yeah, right? Yeah, Malachi, Malachi was having at Worlds this year. He was just killing it. He was tough matches. He ended up fighting Kennedy. Super tough match, super crazy match. It ends up down to the wire, and, like, I'm sitting there screaming my lungs off on the side, and, like, I just absorb all that energy. Like, the whole team's going crazy. Like, it's like that the whole tournament for me. <laughs> That's why I like being there for every one of my matches for my teammates. I want to be there. I like having that energy. And it doesn't really show when it's my fight. <laughs> they 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 kind of bring the energy back for me on my fight. You won't see it. That's really cool because you guys got a really tight tight knit kind of like group yeah definitely it's, really it's, it's definitely a family. We yeah. all like we all know each other's sacrifices. We know what everyone does. We're in the room giving it all we got every day. We know everyone's everyone's situation, you know. And we've been in this like this group. Like I've come up the same people that are Ray, Malachi, Angelo. They've been there since I started. We came up together through the kids program, so we're definitely like, like family. And even the the next generation under us, they came up. We were like the older brother, older sister on the team. So we're like they're like our our little siblings. So we're coming up. It's like a family thing. So like when one person loses, we all feel it. You know, one person wins, we all feel it. So it's like it kind of helps. You know, you know, you got like a whole family on the side. Chile is interesting, right? Because you're one of the few gyms who have like sort of, you know, really homegrown talent, right? Homegrown yeah. black belts. There are a, a few people you bring in, like, you know, the, the Brazilians from Gigo, for example, in Sao uh-huh. Paulo. A lot of them will come and stay for, you know, a world's camp or whatever. And you have some mentioned, like, you have some Mongolian judo guys in your gym that you've managed to acquire. But um, the majority of people who, who train at the gym, I'm not counting guys like Mohammed, of course, but, you know, like, the majority of you came up 
from that kids yeah. program white through to black belt. Yeah, hundred percent. We came up every kid. Like I was there for every yellow, orange, green, blue, purple, brown, black. I was at Team Irvin. Malachi the same, Angela the same, Array the same. The kids coming up, it's the same as that's just kinda how the DJ was the same. All the guys come up like that. Tim Sprays came up at eighty eight, one of our affiliate sister gyms or brother gyms, however you call it. He came up through there, he's he trains and we've known him since he started training, so we we're all kinda uh came up like that. for the like the vast majority of everyone at the gym. You gotta ask, and this is obviously it's a, a sensitive topic and it was quite a controversial period, you know, when it when it happened. But back in twenty thirteen there was the big exodus, right? Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of guys leave the gym and moving on, like guys like JT, guys like Keenan and so on. So when that happened, like how old were you approximately then? Like twenty thirteen, like five years ago, five and a half. I graduated high school in 2013. I was 17. Gotcha, right. So, of course, now you weren't kind of part of that group and stuff, but what was the vibe like in the gym at that time? I mean, like, you know, what did you kind of see and how did it affect you? Um, When I, when those guys were at the gym, I didn't train with them a whole lot. You were in a different program. I was young. I was in the, (coughs) the kids' class, training with the kids in the kids' class. Of course, every now and again, I would get a role and get to ask questions or whatever like that, or I would get to see them at the competitions and stuff, but... I wasn't really like in that group, you know? So I, it didn't really like affect me that much. It wasn't like, it would be different like if like somehow like the Malachi's and you turn around, it was like a Malachi or Ray, like the people that are like, that I've come up with that are like family. If they all if left. If they like right. left or stopped training jujitsu or whatever it would be, something like that. Mm-hmm. But. Like, see, it's even hard for me to even think of that. That's yeah. like, never. You didn't have that like, close relationship with those guys because they're a different generation. Yeah, I didn't train with them. I wasn't in the room with them. They mm-hmm. were in a different room with each other. So it didn't really, it, it didn't really, like, affect me really, like, personally at all, you know? It didn't really, it didn't really do anything for me. Personally. Did it affect your, did it affect your training? Or, no. like, was, was there any kind of vibe in the gym at that time that, you know, negatively affected you and your focus at that time? Or No, I was. How did you get through it? I just trained. Yeah. Nothing really changed for me. I was still training the same class. Everyone's still in the same class that I'm training in. And my groups, they were still going to the tournaments, still traveling, doing the Worlds, doing the Pans, doing all the tournaments. So it didn't really change anything for me. The, as far as the vibe in the gym, it didn't really change anything there either. Like, our gym is huge. It's not just the com- competition guys. Like, the main group of our gym is the, the guys that come in for, they bring their kids in for striking classes and fitness classes so the gym as a whole is huge it's not like one day we came in and it's tumbleweeds across the gym you know it didn't really the gym as a whole was was fine like I was fine everything pretty nothing really changed for me you know that was pretty much how that went and when the news kind of came out about what happened and the reasons behind why the guys were leaving was there ever a moment when you you know you had second thoughts did you ever consider what you were doing there or no I I like grew up in the gym. I know what's what's real and what's not. I know what's what. I don't. I never had any questions with anything, like. And if I did have a question, I could ask Master Lord, Master. Lord, I got asked, and I would get asked. But I didn't have to ask anything. I already know. I already know what's what. You know, I knew what was real, what was not. I was. I grew up there. You know. I. I of course. I mean, I wasn't training with the guys. I'm not dumb either. I'm. I'm there. I'm around. I'm 17. I'm not. I can. If there's like some. If there's stuff going down, I'm. Something I'd be aware, you know. I, I was there. I grew up there, so it didn't really. No, nah, I was nothing really changed for me. It didn't. I never had any second thoughts about anything. 
Now, it's amazing because, like I said, about the homegrown aspect, you know, about how you guys came up through the kids' program all the way now, all in your early 20s, and you're all competing at the highest levels and stuff. But um, I guess a little bit is is kind of like you mentioned about how you, you know, competition goals, about how you want to become one of the best featherweights and stuff. But um, what 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 kind of what does the next few years look like for you then? Like apart from just the 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 training for that, but what else is there? Is like you know, do you have any other projects you're working on? Uh, you know, one day are you thinking about having a team of your own, a gym, or, or whatever it might be? Um, I'm actually not. I haven't even considered like opening a school or anything like that yet. I Is don't that think just too far out right now? I think so, but I don't even like that's never been a dream of mine. Like some people, that's been really? a dream to open up a gym, and that's never been one of my things that I even thought about. You know, like I, I the the thought doesn't like bother me like the way no, I don't want to, but it's just not something that came up as a goal of mine. It's not something that really interests me. Because a lot of the teaching that you do as part of the, the you know, the, the, the sort of the, the system that you have there is especially like bringing up the kids and stuff. It's like you probably get a lot of that from just being there every day, right? Yeah, definitely. I like working with the kids a lot. Like that's like most of my focus throughout the day goes towards the kids and it helps me myself yet to be able to teach kids that like we have kids in the class that are like six, five and six years old in the class and then there's 14, 15 year olds in the, the after school class. So to be able to teach them, you really have to be able to focus and understand all the techniques fully yourself so you can share with them from the lowest age group to the highest kid age group. So for that, that helps me and that's what I enjoy doing like the most. I, I love helping the kids and hanging with the kids, working with the kids and hanging with the team. That's like what I like to do the most. So like down the line, all I have on my mind right now is competing, teaching seminars, helping at the gym, teaching the kids at the gym. I don't, opening the gym, none of that's really in my ACC. My future. Yeah, every every competition. I wanna every like I was telling Hyrule on the way over here, I have like this weird bucket list thing in my head. Like I wanna be able to compete at every IBJGF or every like big competition there is. Mm -hmm. Like every open I wanna be able to and it, it, that's pretty crazy now because there's a lot of. <laughs> when I first thought of this, you can be busy. Like, <laughs> when I first thought of this, there was maybe like, was like twenty small. opens. In the in the U.S. or whatever, and there wasn't too much elsewhere. You can go to Rome or whatever, but now there's like there's a lot. So I don't, but at least like every continent or something like that. You know, I want to be able to teach jujitsu everywhere, at least once, teach and train and fight and compete at least every continent or like mm. every major part where there is jujitsu. You know, I want to be able to to say I did that. So it's that's growing. Down, all, that's all like a down the line kind of goal, but all over the world. So we really have to is, go yeah. to a, a lot of places here eventually. Yeah, well, also we got a big, um, big match coming up this, this weekend. Um, fight to win 95 year. One of your teammates was on fight to win 94. Yeah. Last uh, couple, couple weeks and weekends ago, but this is a, a really big one down in San Diego fight to win 95. It's got uh, Lovato junior hanger, Josh hanger, uh, both world champions as well. But I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, see what, what you thought about that, that match. That should be a crazy match, to be honest. That's right. like one of those matches where you would never think to put it together in your head. But the second someone puts it together, you're like, you have like no idea how that's going to go. You just know it's going to be, right? you know it's going to be a war out there. Because so he that, is that's a two-time uh, Nogi world champion. Yeah. You know, Lovato. Obviously, we know about his accomplishments, right? He's done so much. Gi Nogi, yeah. ADCC veteran, MMA now as well, fighting for the Bellator title in January. So uh, how yeah, do you how do you match those guys up? Like, wh how do you see it? I don't know. I think Lovato is a little bit bigger. So if there's anything that would kind of give an advantage, it would be that. Because other than that, man, both guys are super strong, super like tough guys. I don't. 
I can yeah, pick they, one. They fought in the gi before, and I think Lovato uh, won that one pretty pretty handily. But like uh, Josh was saying, you know, Nogi's more of his wheelhouse, yeah, right? Yeah, he, so he does absolutely. some crazy Nogi stuff. Those those hanger potters, those. Yeah. I, I, I don't know some, nothing about that. I attempt <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't I tell you anything some, about him. I go for some of the go go plata type. Yeah, myself, I enjoy those. So like seeing him do that and, and like big like Nogi world, seeing him do those, I was like, man. He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> These guys got first-hand experience of that particular <laughs> move. I don't think he's got me with one, but I got the hanger team. I got the hanger team like 17 yeah, times. Yeah, he's <laughs> dangerous, especially in the, the, those nogi situations. So I don't know. He likes fighting against the big guys as well. If right? I had to like match up the stats, yeah, like if I had to line up the stats and everything would be dead, even except Lovato's bigger, but he's also he's older, isn't he? Little bit. So he well, has actually, no, I think Josh maybe. might be older. Josh is thirty six. I, I want to say, yeah. but if anything, I, I, I think I, I think the know. guard game is 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 the question mark because Lovato's got an amazing guard and Josh wants to be on top. Legs. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I want to be in Lovato's guard though. So you I, definitely I want to watch to see how that plays out because I think there'd be a lot to learn from that match. True. However, it ends up, I really couldn't predict how. I have no idea how You're to fight to win. Go to go. Right? Yeah, I've done two. How did you enjoy the experience up on there on the stage? It's fun. Yeah? A lot of energy. I, both times I did it were in Maryland, so the whole Team Little Irvin crew nice. was out there, so it was a lot more energy. I haven't done a fight to win out of the state yet. We were in hostile territory, maybe somewhere <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah, I don't. It may be different energy somewhere else. I well, don't Tim know. Tim was brave, right? Because he went to yeah, he San Jose. That's he Yuri's backyard, so. But that, that seems kind of fun, too, at the same time, you know? <laughs> you want yeah, a like little a bit of that? It has a different little, little feel spice. to it. Like, oh, I'm yeah. going into your... But... Yeah, fight the one's pretty fun. Nice. And uh, amazingly, you're going, uh, you're going home tomorrow, and then Saturday you're flying to Korea. Yes, I have wow. like a super busy week ahead of me. I, I <laughs> land, what are you doing in Korea? Uh, pictures and photo shoot type stuff. For Spider. Not too sure specifically, but I know it's like uh, photo shoot oriented. Maybe a video or some some stuff like that. This is different then because this is uh, the the side of being a professional athlete that a lot of jujitsu guys, uh, you know, a lot of them haven't had to experience. Yeah, yet, and right? with so. spider spiders, like if you see from the the events they they put on, they're super professional, super specific on how they want things to look. So that's how serious they are about their taking their photos of the athletes and doing whatever. So I'm I'm not even sure who all is going to be there, but I just know they're serious about it. So. I'll be there for it. And then right when I get back, I got finals <laughs> at Jeez. school. So, so you're going to be I'll studying be, the whole time yeah, you're over I'll there? Be, I'll oh be bringing man. my laptop and bringing my papers to study. Oh, man. Busy, be a pretty busy, busy week, guy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, man, Jamil, it's been absolutely awesome having you on the show. i got to say, it's been a uh, it's been a really, really interesting conversation. Almost about an hour and a half here. Yeah. We've been chatting. Oh, See, talking about jujitsu, easiest thing yeah, in the world, I right? Talking about jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, it's like I say, it's been a pleasure having you here. Thanks very much. And uh, guys, I guess uh, we'll leave it here and join us again next week, hopefully, for another episode of Fistful of Collars. See you then. <laughs>